Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 565 on Monday, the 12th of February, 2024. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be agreeing with one organization's decisions, for a change. In new new car news, we find out how much range £16,000 gets you. And in points of interest, we learn how a stationary maker built a car. But first, we have one smidgeny bit of follow-up. And it is the news that Arrival has, well, what seems like finally, entered administration after they failed to materialize a single version of their XL or large electric van, which is what they stated they were going to focus on last year when there was yet another restructuring and uh, prioritizing of business, I think was one of the ways they put it. That mean getting rid of the tax haven and uh, also scrapping the idea to create some form of jet aircraft? Yes. Yes, I mm. think it was all that. <laughs> uh, so what's happening now is the joint administrators are trying to find uh, people who will buy the business, the assets, and the ideas, etc. That's if they haven't already bought one of the other commercial vehicle companies that's gone similarly to you recently, but without all of the emotional baggage that Arrival seems to come with. Mm. There's up to 400 staff which will be affected, of which there are 172 in the UK. Let's see what happens. What a shame. Yep. Again, lots of promise, but then since the original founder sold it, the management seems to have gone a little bit nuts. I don't think he helped either. They were in trouble before then. Ah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Anyway. Should we move on to some new news? Yes. And uh, yes, <laughs> this one makes us chuckle. There's two manufacturers have been in trouble because of their Google ads. Yes. And their attempts at search engine optimization. First of all is BMW. Back in the middle of last year, the paid advert BMW appeared on Google, uh, stating zero emission cars, download your brochure today, etc., etc. The Advertising Standards Authority challenged whether the claim zero-emission cars accurately represented the environmental impact of the vehicle, says AM Online. And it basically not necessarily. Uh, the other part that's not covered in the AM Online story but is covered elsewhere was pointing out that you can't advertise pretty much any car as zero-emission because, of course, it takes emissions to power it ultimately of some form and to build it and to all the other the other stuff uh, that goes on around vehicular manufacture, maintenance, and the rest of its existence. MG was the other manufacturer <laughs> dragged into this one uh, in a slightly separate case where they had a Google ad and it showcased the offer. Uh, find a dealer, book a test drive, save a thousand pounds your next MGHS plug-in hybrid MGZS or MG5 EV trophy long range, renewed with a modern design, increased range, and even more technology. Zero emissions. Uh, and the Advertising Standards Agency said, oh, no, actually, because not everything there could be described as zero emissions, or indeed anything should be. Yes, it also pointed out, quite rightly, that while fully electric vehicles provide no emissions when driven, emissions are generated during manufacturing charging that's incorrect though we can't say that anymore because of tire particles zero tailpipe emissions is what we are technically allowed to say now quoted alan from am online you see that kind of thing the absolute nerdery that has to go into yeah. a statement like that that is what's wrong with the world these days 
Yeah. Well, we were talking beforehand about. Sorry, I'm going to do my old man, old person thing. The anti EV crowd are peeing me off significantly more than the evangelicals at the minute. And to be honest, the evangelicals can really rile me sometimes just for sheer bloody mindedness. Yeah, I, I am very cross at our, I was saying this to you before we pressed record, at our politicians over the last decade or so and mass media that have encouraged a culture war environment and for dragging the motoring element of it into it because now we have to discuss this almost every week or you it, sit there on social media and some pillock comes up and makes so much more polite than I. Uh, makes a well I don't want to have to edit myself again uh, yeah. makes a point <laughs> uh, or a point he says in inverted commas that they feel is justifiable for them to uh, and shoots down another argument what it has also led to and we I know I go on about this a lot, but it means that both sides lie sometimes about their reports or their, when they're trying to make a point. Talking Speaking of, of which, which, <laughs> <laughs> which, the last piece of um, ASA news is about uh, Transport for London. Uh, Transport for London, very, very quick to point out to everyone else uh, whenever they feel that their data is being misrepresented, but it's perfectly okay for them to put out some radio adverts stating things like nitrogen dioxide. Uh, emissions had reduced by almost a half in London, in the centre of London, since the ULES was introduced and things along those lines. The Advertising Standards Authority ruled that three TFL adverts were likely to mislead because of the basis of the claims they made were not given or explained. The claims, which were just given, were based not on actual air quality data, but on a computer simulation of what was expected to happen as uh, as a result of the ULES introduction. Yes. Well, it just wasn't explained at all, was it? They have been wrapped for not making it clear that it wasn't on actual, even when they talked about actual air pollution deaths, they were actually talking about simulated. Hmm. But they are very happy to jump up and down his TFL and say, oh, they never argued with the science, they only argued with our wording, so we will now put little caveats in our adverts. What's going to happen is it's going to be like, obviously I listen to other podcasts, and some of them put out on platforms which automatically insert region-specific ads in front of your, for a considerable period of time if you're in North America. And one of them goes through and it tells you about how you can pay for a ad-free podcasting from one of the big companies. And in the little bit at the end where they talk very, very quickly, it says, Podcast may contain adverts. Yes. And it's just like, what? And, and that's exactly what this story reminded me of. Yeah. I really enjoy the Autocar podcast. I don't enjoy the fact that I can basically drive from my place to the highway before I've actually started the podcast because of the number of unskippable pre-roll ads. It's very annoying. Yes. We try not to do that to you people. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to take us on to... <laughs> Now's a good time for Guilt Minute, yes. <laughs> yeah. I will now take us on to Aston Martin, and there are stories circulating that Chairman Lawrence Stroll has begun the search for the replacement of the 77-year-old CEO. Amadeo Felisa. Ah, thank you. <laughs> if you want to hear the murdering of that, listen to... You need to become a patron and you can watch me butcher that name and mess up the introduction at least three times. But the fact that he is approaching his 78th birthday has meant that perhaps he suggested to the chairman, 
I might like to retire again at some point. Please, could you find someone to take this on? <laughs> he, has, he has already tried once. He's been in the role for a couple of years and really think he was hired to try to perhaps mend some of the things that got broken by uh, his predecessor, Tobias Moores, where all you heard was doom and gloom mm. from Aston Martin. That and the sound of the door <laughs> shutting yes. as they ran squeak away. bang, squeak <laughs> bang, as, as, as very senior people decided that perhaps they wanted to work somewhere else and uh, the, the explore other opportunities in a less fractious environment, maybe. And then some of them, of course, have returned mm -hmm. since. So obviously he's been doing exactly that. And maybe now he thinks, right, look, I've, I've done all right here. I'm still doing all right. Could we look at my replacement, please? Yeah, he's even good on him. He's righted the ship. It's it's going even. I mean, to be fair, what since he's been there, they've come out with some new models. They've also tied up that deal, which is critical for them with Lucid. I think that's mm. one of the biggest things that's happened. Yeah, obviously, a, a lot of these things were happening before he arrived, but it's it's all happened in a very calm and, like I say, there there hasn't been the negative stories coming out of Aston Martin that there was before. It's all happening in this calm, grown-up manner, and they've just got about their business of trying to make Aston Martin stable. I know that's mm -hmm. a entire Easier history done, of yeah. their company's aim at some point or another, but we are no longer every quarter going, oh, is it up, is it down, blah, blah, that, that it's being managed professionally seems to be a given now, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the new V8 Vantage come out. It just looks like an Aston Martin. I wish there would be a little spice to the styling. But then on the other hand, if it's working, what, would you move away from it? But, yeah. yeah. Says Alan, experts in all things good taste. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, well, do you want to take us to Europe, actually? Yes, it's actually Hyundai Motors Europe uh, has suffered a ransomware attack. The ransomware in question is called Black Basta, and I've got to pronounce that very carefully, B-A-S-T-A, and the threat actors, the people who performed it, are claiming to have stolen three terabytes of data. Uh, the data covers both Hyundai, uh, Hyundai Motor Europe and Kia as well. It's thought to include information, including legal sales, human resources, accounting, IT, and management. If you have a Hyundai connected to the online services and online systems and Hyundai accounts, now would be a very good time to change your password. Just good practice. Yes. Particularly if you work for Hyundai or Kia. <laughs> you may also wish to change your password. There will be a link to a bleeping computer article in the show notes, and I encourage you to read it because there is a timeline of bleeping computer getting in touch with mm. Hyundai and how they reacted to said uh, inquiries, which doesn't fill me with the greatest bit of confidence. There's a lot of detail there, which is incredibly relevant to a computing podcast, but less relevant to a motoring podcast. Mm -hmm. We'll leave it at that. But if you want to know more, go have a read. Uh, there is lots more in that bleep, bleeping computer article. I'm going to take us to Rolls-Royce now, and the Spectre has been recalled in the US because of a faulty ground connection cable that could make the vehicle susceptible to an increased risk of a thermal event. 
or fire, as we try to call them in simple, plain English. It could just go smoky. Yes. Also, it yeah, that is true. Also, it could actually pose a risk to any technicians working on the vehicle as well. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there will be a link in the show notes because there is a lot of detail in this article. And to be fair to the register, they have done a fantastic job of, which Alan pointed out to me earlier, pointing out how many vehicles this actually covers. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that, well, yes, but the recall covers this many, but it's actually this many vehicles. And that's because those other vehicles aren't actually on the road yet. They're probably on, our, on their way to places or... or they might be waiting for uh, essentially to have fancy stuff added. And they do point out the primary risk is to our technicians mm. to make sure this doesn't happen again and to make sure that it's safe for them to work on the cars as and when they need to, rather than necessarily a driving about uh, issue. Yeah, the fix is that the bolt is removed, cleaned of excess uh, adhesive and reattached. That's it. So it really is a very simple issue that they have discovered and it covers vehicles made between october and december 2023 just in case you happen to have one sitting outside and you haven't realized yes yes <laughs> <laughs> well sticking with recalls alan uh yeah there's a, a list out on autocar last week uh it's revealed the most recalled car brands in europe in 2023 um this kind of thing you won't believe number seven uh sorry <laughs> that's not what they say <laughs> they do not say the last bit but it's it, it the headline has been written very much in that buzzfeed style uh, and it's an autocar slideshow so i'll be damned if i can actually tell you any more because it's all frozen up and smashed itself into itself again well the top three i'll run through the top three do click the link in the show notes because you will see all the all the brands that are involved the top three is number three is BMW with 21 recalls affecting 20 models. Then you have Peugeot at number two with 27 recalls affecting 13 models. And at number one, which they didn't want, is Mercedes Benz with 38 recalls affecting 20 models. Well, but remember, a recall is not necessarily a bad thing. It's like that Spectre one. Yeah. It's a very, very small thing, but it's a correcting it for the future and a just in case rather than anything else. And there's two very different attitudes to recalls. One is that there are manufacturers out there who won't issue a recall until, frankly, there are legal blades at their throats, Mm. metaphorically speaking. And there are others who go, "Uh, we attached this warning sticker 90 degrees to how the warning sticker is meant to be to be completely and totally effective Mm. Uh, for that country uh, we need to recall 18 vehicles to have that sorted and that counts as a recall yep and there's others where basically nobody's read any of the legislation properly the fonts are the wrong size in every single vehicle they don't need to do a recall no 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 no, not not a problem with the car yeah and then there's everything in between (laughs) and the other thing is in this list by the way it says there are so many so many issues with so many variants and stuff and you realize, you look at it and you go, well, actually, you've listed 15 different models, but there's only one or two platforms mm. in there. Because if you, have a, if you have an error, there's a something in the steering box of a Stellantis vehicle, all of a sudden, the knock-on effects of that. Well, we've seen it with Daihatsu, haven't you've we, recently? Got the, yeah, you've got the Vauxhall, the Opel, the Peugeot, the, yeah. 
the Fiat, the, <laughs> and it just the Citroen, the Dodge, and it just goes on and on and on with its one internal component. And it's not the economies of scale really scale your problems if it's not right. Yeah, absolutely, and it might not even be very many of any of them, but. But there's a second list of the week before we've even made it through uh, Guilt Minute, Alan. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. You'll no- yeah, and you'll notice that they didn't get added to list of the week because the list of the week is far more interesting. Yes. It is, however, Guilt Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you feel that Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player or on YouTube to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone that does. Very kind. Yes, absolutely. Okay, new new car news. And I will start with the new Porsche Taycan. Uh, this is their electric saloon and sports wagon. Is that how we call them now? Because it's not it's really the state. No, it's not. It's, it's got a number of names. And I can, you know what? I actually went and specced one yesterday and I now cannot remember. There's the Sport Cross and the something else. Anyway, you know what we mean. Yes. The one that looks... Oh, well, I prefer the sort of estate one to the... Uh, I wouldn't kick either out no, of my it, driveway for it, snoring. If someone wants to, you know, bring one to my house, I'm fine with either, obviously. Uh, but they've made some improvements to the technology side of things, particularly the efficiency and power output of the batteries and the uh, electric drives. They've swapped some of the motors around and stuff. They've also made them a little bit lighter, or they certainly have the estate version thing, the Cross. Mm-hmm. That's 15 kilograms lighter, I was reading in this Autocar article, linked in the show notes as ever. But for me, the real thing that absolutely blows this away for me is the fact that how quick it can charge, if your environmental conditions allow it. <laughs> Inserting a, I almost think I feel I need to make that a, a pre-recorded and just drop yes. it in our audio from now on. It's quite tempting. <laughs> but in the, uh, I was reading a um, first drive on Autocar, which which isn't linked, but you, I think it's in this linked in this article. It is linked from within the article. Yeah, uh, and they were saying how it got up to eighty percent after five hours driving, and they were, I think, they were below twenty percent mm. in fourteen or fifteen minutes because no. they'd found a charger that could manage that a three hundred and twenty kilowatt one. Basically, you've got enough time to either go the loo and come back, or maybe just if the coffee shop's empty, get a coffee and come back, and then your car's at eighty percent again. Yeah, yeah. which is how it should be. Obviously, be it's not going to be, you know, in everybody's price bracket. That's no. so they've got prices for the four S starting at ninety five thousand nine hundred, and then you can go all the way up to the Turbo S at one hundred and sixty one thousand four hundred. Does start with a two wheel drive single rear motor at eighty six thousand five hundred as well for cheapskates. The two not an estate variants are called the Sport Turismo and the Cross Turismo, by the way. The Cross ah. Turismo being the jacked up one. That's all right. It was it's annoying me. Right. It was annoying me. There are obviously for the Turbo S it's a ridiculously stupid naught to sixty two at two point four seconds, uh, which is point four of a second quicker than the previous. 
and then the single motor Taycan will get to 0 to 62 in 4.8 seconds, a pedestrian 4.8 seconds. I drove the previous Turbo S and it didn't feel particularly slow to me. No, I, I'm trying to find, I know I've skipped over it, but what the range is meant to be. Oh, it's 300 and lots, it's about, it, it's 300 and quite a bit. Uh, 422 miles. Oh, there we go then. That's for the longest range, but I think yeah. that the, the obviously that's that's going to be the rear engine one with the optional extra big battery, but it, it sits in the, in the 400s. Uh, th- in the 300s. Yeah. It's more than enough for sensible folk if you can zap it occasionally on a long journey or, or, or get most of your weeks. Mm-hmm. Most of your weeks driving done for most of us um, between charges. Yeah. Awesome. Let's skip to the other end of the automotive range uh, with the Ford Puma. Puma is, uh, it's had a mid-life refresh or a, I'm not going to call it a facelift because oh, it, it's it still not got a great word. face. <laughs> it, it, it ain't the prettiest. But it's now gone hybrid only. Woohoo. The only engine you can get now is a one liter and it's at least a 48 volt mild hybrid. What that means is that the uh, one and a half liter, almost 200 brake horsepower Puma ST, which everyone absolutely raved about, is now gone. The ST still exists, but it does only have the it does only have the one liter uh, instead, and it doesn't have a manual either. It only comes with a seven speed uh, dual clutch box. Yeah, I saw lots of people moaning about that, and I thought, well, they should have bought the ruddy thing, shouldn't they? Well, the other thing for me is how many people actually drive with a manual or want to for day-to-day driving and again it's this as you say you know go out and buy it but it's this whole this is what a car should have against what most people are having to or are doing with their cars because most people are just trying to get from a to b they're not out for a drive because who wants to go on our roads out for a drive at the moment they're so horrific let alone the other people on them he's on form today everyone it's just why why would you do that so I'm like, please stop that. It's very tedious. It, I mean, it's not as tedious as what you were mentioning earlier, but it's very tedious. I, I've started just blocking it. Mm. But I know that certainly for the driving I do over here and the road conditions I do over here, the manual Scion was significantly more miserable to drive than the automatic Lexus. Mm. Uh, mostly due to the gearbox, by the way. Not yeah. all the other stuff too. But yeah, I mean, the, the ST... This power shift, it still does 0 to 60 in 7.4 seconds, which is still really pretty quick. I mean, it's a second slower than the old one. That's quicker than most people can probably cope with. Yeah, 168 brake horsepower is still not exactly a slug. No. Um, so I think a lot of it is is on paper mooning. It's, it's, yeah, it's people thinking what something should be right against reality. Yeah. There's a load of updates to the tech as well. They, uh, As we mentioned recently on a other vehicle that Ford were updating, They've got the Sync 4 infotainment. They could wheel out the twice the computing power quote that they have done before. There is also a larger touchscreen in the middle of the dash, which has, and now I'm not sure what the soft buttons, which uh, I am choosing, looking at that to mean areas of a touchscreen that have been marked for you to stab at. And they've removed physical buttons for a cleaner design. Again, I'm quoting from Ford, who have been quoted in Autocar. Totally missing the point of why buttons are good, etc. 
there's higher definition graphics for the uh, gauge clusters behind the um, steering wheel, which is a squircle. And then there's going to be an electric version uh, unveiled later this year. There's also an enhanced suite of driver assist functions, which includes intersection assist, no idea, reverse brake assist, I do know what that is, and predictive speed assist, uh, which I don't like the sound of. It automatically slows down when approaching a bend or junction. You can also get anti-glare matrix headlights. They're good. Some manufacturers should think about fitting those. As well as predictive bending dynamic lights, which sounds slightly dodgy. Uh, It uses GPS data to automatically adjust the lighting for curves in the road. I think the theory sounds fine. The practice, I just don't know how well that's going to work. So I'm sort of slightly, I'm a skeptic on that one. Uh, And also the electric Puma is going to be called the Jenny ahead of its uh, unveiling uh, later this year. I don't know if that's the Puma Jenny or just the Jenny, but it's it sounds like a, it's, it's just it's it looks kind of ugly when it's written down, and then of course it sounds just like a lady's name, which can also cause issues. <laughs> I'm sure. Right, I'm going to take us to the BMW 5 Series touring which will be only available as a FEV or EV, and the FEV will be petrol. There is no diesel. Well, th- well, hang on, hang on. There's no diesel available in the UK. Sorry. There will be a 520D and a 540D available elsewhere because we can't have exactly the kind of motor that really would suit a large estate car used for driving long distances. But hey, who knows? Yes. <laughs> yes, thanks for clarifying that. It's going to be a little bit longer, a little bit wider, and a little bit taller. The wheelbase has been extended as well. Again, fine details. Do click the link in the show notes. You'll never guess what, by the way. The grill is a little bit bigger. And a lot uglier. They have also ditched the rear window access hatch that was there previously, but that is because they have apparently worked very hard at the aerodynamics to help increase the efficiency of the i version of this um, because remember this this is the same looking car whether it's got the fev or whether it's got the ev version mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, if you wanted the top of the range i5 and that's the electric version m60 x drive you need to pony up before you select a single option ninety nine thousand and forty pounds or whatever that means monthly any of the electric ones, it starts at £69,950, mm. which is not exactly pocket change. I can't, can't see a price for the non-ones. They haven't had glorious reviews either. Well, it it didn't suit Harry Metcalf. No, there's been others as well. Okay. But, but yes, it didn't suit him. We'll try not to talk about that, because then I'll remember other videos. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Just remember, folks, some of us read the SMMT figures every month. Yes. And know what they mean. <laughs> know what they mean. <laughs> uh, but the FEV is uh, a combined uh, consumption, um, whether that's mild hybrid all the way through to the uh, top of the range as far as FEV, FEVs go, between 50, uh, sorry, 45.6 and 49.6 miles per gallon under the WLTP rules you get well over 50 with the diesel yeah but you know you're killing people if you drive a diesel alan you know that Mm -hmm. there are no nuances or suggestions 
anyway, take us away from what is a little bit underwhelming uh, to something a bit more exciting in a state form. Well, I looked at it and went there as well, to be honest. Uh, it's the Audi RS6 Avant GT, which uh, Car Magazine are describing as an an IMSA GTO-themed missile, and in, indeed it is a uh, super-pumped Audi A6 uh, estate. It has funky stripes in red and grey and black, uh, so I'm not anyone to make fun of a vehicle which has red and black <laughs> stripes on a white background, am I? You best not. <laughs> it's uh, it's obviously it's all wheel drive, twin turbo V8. Uh, it puts out the same six hundred and twenty one horsepower and six hundred and twenty seven pound feet of torque as uh, any other RS uh, six performance. Also, as a result, kicks out not uh, to sixty two in three point three seconds, a top speed of one hundred and ninety miles an hour, which is both a little bit quicker uh, than the standard RS six performance. Although, quite how often you're going to find that extra point one of a second to 62 and uh, the extra 16 miles an hour in top speed, I'm not really sure. But this is all inspired by the Audi 90 Quattro IMSA GTO racer. That's where the colour of the decals are and everything, including the white wheels, which I think suit it in Mm, pictures. The pictures look great, don't get me wrong. They're very much uh, like a Volk uh, TE37. They're not. They are different in the details. There we go. Excuse me, I'm just going to car wheel nerd. Uh, in in white, uh, they, they are a bit detailed, but they're that same kind of style. They look fantastic when they're clean. I, having put white wheels on a car before, I just don't know how long they'll stay that way. I love the idea, as as we say with any of these really over the top special editions, and like with some of the retro stuff that's done. I love that somebody's done it, particularly a large company in this instance that still does something a little bit out there. Although it was quite easy for them to do, yeah, but they did it. That's the hard. That's the hard bit is getting people to agree to do it, not actually yeah. doing it. Yeah, there was going to be sixty allocated to the UK out of six hundred and sixty examples being made, and they're going to cost as. And I do like car magazines' way that they're writing things at the moment. There's just a little bit of a needle sometimes. Each costing a pretty potent one hundred and seventy six thousand nine hundred and seventy five pounds. Yeah. We'll never see one unless there's a, maybe at Bista, Cars and Coffees or something. Certainly marginally rarer than a, than a GRMN. Your chances of seeing one are pretty slim, generally. <laughs> uh, next new new car news is the Abarth 600E. Now, I like this. Somebody sat whilst we were running through stuff and complained about the quality of the photoshopping on the picture of the it's either drifting or understeering. Let's choose no, it, to believe it's, it's drifting. Yeah, yeah. The, it's, uh, <laughs> it's drifting or it's about to have an accident. <laughs> and judging where the smoke is coming off the front tires, um, I would say it's a, I would say it's understeering towards something. But it's a 237 horsepower version of the slightly bigger, familiar-looking Fiat hatchback that's coming along soon. The hypnotic purple will be on the Scorponissima launch edition, of which there will be just 1,947 examples produced. It's going to have a big wing. It's going to have large wheels. It's going to have a bespoke front bumper and air dam. And I don't care if it's any good or not. I think it's really, really cool. 
I think that's great. I think yeah, I actually think the 600D is pretty good looking. I think it's it's definitely a much more successful take on scaling up a classic shape which has been updated than most of the mini range, which where it's grown, it's got lumpy. Well, I think it's a it's a better imagination and interpretation than previous 500 expanded range model vehicles were. Uh, Hello, 500L, we're talking to you. Yeah, yes. It looks completely inoffensive, but you know that it's from the 500 type range or the Fiat range looking at mm. the front end of it because of the way the lights are done. And that's that's fine. That's that's cool. It's another smallish SUV. How excited one can be about that? Your mileage may vary. But uh, yes, I have but been hearing trying. good. The I have important been he- bit is they're trying. Oh, yeah. Whatever, but I have been hearing good things about the Stellant- the latest Stellantis battery technology and their um, powertrains. They seem to be much, much closer to the WT- L- WLTP range, but also how efficient they are as well, which is the important mm-hmm. one of the more important for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard the same. The, the, the def- an, impre- an increase in both efficiency and its abilities to predict its range, mm-hmm. so that you don't get the whole. I had 150 miles, now all of a sudden I have 95 miles, what's happened in the last 20 miles Yeah, type of thing, which to me is more important than a massive battery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For most of us, most of the time, knowing that if it says this many miles, it's very probably going to be that many miles yes. uh, of, of range is important because I can always work around that. Yeah, absolutely. As long as I trust it, yeah. I imagine it's going to sell well, and and also in this article, there's uh, discussions about what's next from Fiat because they talk to the boss uh, and he discusses how Fiat is being seen moving forward. Hmm. So, which which is always interesting to hear. Maximum limits on vehicle sizes and stuff. Yeah, is what they're talking about, on, and in, in both directions, which is which is quite an interesting. It's an interesting way to bookend the range, uh, yes. if you know what I mean. Uh, li- you know, leave the bigger stuff to other people. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least here there's a new quadricycle compact car quadricycle yeah <laughs> it, is a, it is a quadricycle from a Spanish e-mobility company called Silence it's an AMI competitor I guess um, it's called the S04 it has a range of 92 miles and more importantly batteries you can remove to charge indoors mm-hmm. Silence normally make electric motorcycles, but it is claiming that this two-seat four-wheeler provides low-cost, zero-emission urban transport, uh, quotes Jonathan Bryce in this article. It starts at £15,995. That is more than twice the price of of the AMI, but it does offer double the range. Double the speed. Almost double the speed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. It's almost uh, £6,000 cheaper than the the cheapest smart e smart 4.2 eq thingy uh, right at the moment mm-hmm. it's wheel hub motors and stuff but yeah top speed of 52 miles an hour so you will actually be able to get around in cities uh, and uh not to 30 in seven seconds not the quickest in the world uh, but i like the idea but perfectly adequate <laughs> yeah yeah perfectly adequate for, for in, in cities in towns and even getting between towns to be perfectly honest mm. If you take out the batteries, they can be fully charged two to three hours from a 240-volt outlet, which is pretty cool. There is another vehicle in on already on sale in the UK which does offer similar, and it's the Estrema Bureau, 
uh, which is about £11,000. It looks pretty cool too. I went off and ended up down a, I ended up down a rabbit hole whenever I was reading the story yesterday <laughs> and, and ended up poking into those. This silence, by the way, doesn't look, it doesn't look embarrassing. No. At all. You know what? It reminds me of, I, I wouldn't be surprised actually if it had uh, an Opal or a Vauxhall badge on the front of it. If you look at the light signature mm. uh, on the photo, that's just kind of like a third of the way down. Yeah. But it does look an awful lot like some kind of Vauxhall Opal uh, concept car. I don't think you'd be ashamed to be seen in it. Neither does it look like a crib of a Smart 4 2 either. No. Which is the other. And thank goodness it looks nothing like the vehicle, which I've forgotten the name of. Uh, the Reva, Reva, no, the Reva thingy. Oh, what was it called? You know, the little pug ugly thing that you used to see around London, uh, which was terrible. This could be a step to urban mobility that is down from a big car, particularly if they can do it, say, higher vehicles and stuff initially. I would imagine that's what they would look to hope to, to get in with. But as if you lived in London or any of the big urban areas in the UK, to just potter around... Even if you didn't, it's a perfect driving to the station car. Mm. So if you lived in rural Berkshire or somewhere like that and you need to get the train in from Reading every day to try and pick a not-so-hypothetical, uh, not so hypothetical, I guess, idea, then this would be that, that kind of thing. Why could it not take it to the station, park it at the station? It's You've got 92 miles. Yeah. It's going to do you most of your week on one charge. And then whenever it is done, you take battery inside at the weekend, plug it in, and you're done. So even if you don't have off-street parking. Yep. Lots to be said for it. Yep. It's an interesting idea. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will take us on to Designer's Mood Board and the shock news that T. John Mayer, who has been at Volvo Cars for the last decade, has now left. He was um, the exterior design director. He was responsible for Volvo Design and Concept Center in California, but he's moved on. Unfortunately, we have no more details as to why or where he's going. So he's obviously somewhere, and he's 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 been made an an offer he can't refuse, etc. I know I'm uh, stating the bleeding obvious, but the way that it's happened so suddenly, I would imagine so. And he's been asked to to go. Well, it's a good time of the year to go look at the garden. Just to go look after the garden for a little yes. while. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye on that, and when it is announced where he ends up, we will obviously bring that to you. Either that or he's packing up his house so that he can put it into a container and ship it to, sh- ship it to China. Yes, could be. Mm-hmm. Points of interest. We're starting the points of interest now. Yes. And it's a particularly strong selection this week. Mm. Been looking forward to these. Lunchtime read. Reckons to be six minutes. It's from uh, Mike Bonofsky. He's a man who experiments with newsletters. Yes. And they can vary in what, what's in them. But if you subscribe once, you keep getting whatever the latest evolution is. And they are... His current iteration is incredible. Its current iteration is a hark back to the first iteration, which is where I first heard of him. And pretty much every day you're getting at least one interesting car. Mm. And it's a perspective you've probably not thought of as well. Yes, and it is. It's not just a description of it, but it's sort of all the, the, the background stuff, which moves on from the original Bonofsky, Bonofsky's car of the day, which is how I, I knew of him originally. 
it's that and then there's a commentary on, on on news stories too but what we're talking about today really is one from last week and he's talking about the will vi canvas top uh now most of you will know that a will vi is of course basically a basically a toyota yaris with a different top on it uh, and that's cool but what he actually goes into of course it's, it's only cool to me um but what he actually goes into is he goes in i'm just going to get the jokes in before anybody else does really uh it goes in and it talks about the whole will brand and the background and the idea and what it actually was because i think that that's overlooked an awful lot the whole thing is very very interesting uh, do go have a read take 10 minutes to have a read and to flick through flick through some of the pictures not just of the cars and the colors but also some of the other things you could buy from the will brand Sweet uh, beer. Yes, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Toasters, you could decorate your house. It's very cool. Yep. Very cool. Really, I, I, I love coming across stuff like this because it, it just, the things you don't know, it's brilliant. Love it. I mean, I'll just, some of us need to get out more. Maybe you already knew much of it, but yeah. That's, <laughs> that's very much more reflection on me than, than anyone else. Okay, I'm going to take us to the list of the week, and this is from Goodwood Road and Racing, and it is titled The Nine Weirdest Cars at Retromobile 2024. Retromobile is... It's a great big classic car show in Paris. Yes. And it's one of these sort of top classic car shows in the world. And manufacturers exhibit, and they take along very good, cool stuff. Lots of good things. It's one of those ones I would like to get to. There's a former colleague who every year says to me, that's another year and we still haven't made it to Retromobile. Mm. I, I always manage to just miss it for some reason. I think it's just when it falls. Okay, this is actually quite a tough set to pick any from, I would suggest, this week. Mm, yes. Is, is there any that, uh, you can't say more retro than the others because they all are, but is there any that really stand out to you? Yes. As being the, uh, let me just, what was the title again? The weirdest. <laughs> the Jules Dakar 84 six-wheeler. Ah, uh, yes, that caught my eye as well. Yes. Uh, I love the so, design. Yeah, I, I, the description here is it says it's like an F117 made babies with a Mercedes 6x6, <laughs> which I think describes it pretty well. It's a six-wheel drive pickup truck. It's a complete and total bitzer. Some of the engines from a Fiat, the gearbox from a Porsche. The radiator is from a company called Chausson, which I, I do know of and I can't think what for. Uh, windscreen's from a Citroen CX. It looks really futuristic, like it's dropped out of a Jerry. Anderson. Anderson, thank you. Uh, TV show with Super Marionation. <laughs> it, supposedly, it was a bit of a disaster on the Peking to Paris rally that it was originally designed for. It, uh, it did compete in the Dakar in 1984, uh, but it was not a reliable beast, uh, sadly. But it's so cool and so silly, and yeah, I like it. Good choice. Do click the link in the show notes because there are several weird and wonderfuls. Oh, they're all weird and wonderful, and you will enjoy running through this because I, I hadn't heard of most of these, as which will surprise nobody. Uh, the manufacturers, let alone the actual thing themselves. Really? Okay. Uh, there's no, at least one of them I've seen in person. So. Okay. Alan, do you want to take us to the unfiling in our dystopian hell that's coming? Yes, last but not least, uh, via the Autopian and Jason Torchinsky, uh, get well soon. His list is titled, These are the most nightmarish car feature subscriptions I could think of. 
Now, I want to point out that these are currently, at the time of recording, fictional. Yes, from his fever dream. <laughs> yes, but they might not necessarily remain there because, like, they will use this. As, they will use this list as a. Oh, that's a good idea. So there's a list of eighteen there, including stuff like uh, eight, suggesting eight dollars a month for a real-time speedometer. Uh, otherwise, it works on a ten-minute delay. <laughs> Um, the windows roll down for free, but it's 25 cents each time you want to put them back up again. Uh, these, these kind of things. <laughs> the thing that worries me most about this was the number of people who in the comments have suggested uh, capture refill windscreen wash, which that just doesn't seem as far away as I would like it to be. Have a read because it is a good chuckle. But it's also a warning. It's, it's a chuckle and it's a warning. And also the some bits where you read it and you think, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. <laughs> Subscriptions for cylinder act- activation, the default, default settings of E-Twin, but you could activate more cylinders for a certain amount more per month, up to a full VA. I mean, that's the sort of complete follow-on from the whole, we've fitted all the seat heaters, but you're not getting to use them, BMW. Yeah, the only way to stop it is if we all constantly say no and no one buys any. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. No, it won't. That won't happen. Yes, that's about us. It is. For for this week. Don't think there are any parish notes that are relevant today. No. With all of that, I suppose, it's time for me to remind you uh, not to forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter or Mastodon. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know even more about what you know about the Will I, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Best ways are either Twitter or a Blue Sky, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D L E Y. We will be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.